I was two years out of high school when Superman died. I was working at a Sonic drive-in during the day and playing clubs in my band at night. And I remember getting off work early the day that Superman number 75 came out because uh, one of my co-workers had asked what I had going on for the rest of the day. And I told her about my planned trip into the comic book store to pick up the issue in which Superman dies. And she asked me if I could pick up a copy for her. Uh, her name escapes me after all these years, but she had seen the news reports about Superman dying. And she, um, in fact, I think she heard it on the radio on the way into work that morning. And uh, I told her I would try to get her a copy. And I, of course, was unable to. I did manage to snag two copies that day. And to use the parlance of today, one to rock and one to stock, which ultimately means one uh, one to uh, read and then one to go into the collection and never look at again because the book had come sealed in a black poly bag with a big red Superman symbol on the front of the bag, this dripping blood red Superman symbol. And you had no idea until you opened up that poly bag what the cover of the comic looked like, what kind of fun stuff they may have put in the poly bag. And I don't remember what was in the bag itself other than the issue, of course, and a black armband made of paper with a Superman symbol on it. The only other memory I have of that time is that even back then, when this whole rotating door of death that is a big thing in comics now, it wasn't like that back then, but even then... I never once believed that Superman's death would last more than a year. And I actually recall arguing with people who were truly distraught or just plain angry that DC dared to kill off Superman. I mean, why would they do that? People would say he's he's only one of their most popular characters. It just seems like a stupid move. They'd scream and yell. And me, I, I never bought into it. I mean, I'm not a clever man. Uh, never have been, never will be. I'm not trying to claim that I was smarter than everybody else. I just knew deep in my heart that Superman was not going to be gone long, that he would be back. And I was super excited to be there to be along for the ride. And that's what I remember from when Superman died. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman, and this is episode number six, Doomsday. Hello and welcome to Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and yeah, this week's introduction was submitted by me. And you know what? You can submit your own introduction. All you need to do is record yourself answering the question, where were you when Superman died? Then you just send that file over to me at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. Just make sure to include in the email how you want to be identified on the episode, where the listeners can find you online, and any podcast or project that you'd like me to plug. Just keep in mind that I, of course, reserve the right to refuse any submission because I'm not about 
to plug a podcast or a website that's full of hate speech or really anything that I may deem offensive. And here's the thing, folks. It's my podcast, so I get to be the one to make that call. For more information on how you could submit an introduction and what I'm kind of looking for, go find the Where Were You When Superman Died bonus episode right here in this feed. All right, so today we are sinking slowly into week six of the Death of Superman epic crossover event, and that means that the big man is going to die. We all knew that going into this. I don't think there were any illusions. No one was trying to hide that from you, so stop acting like you're surprised because nobody's buying it, all right? So we had two issues released this week, 30 years ago, and we will, of course, start with the first one, Superman number 75. This had a cover price of $2.50. The title of the issue is Doomsday. The writer slash penciler on the book is Dan Juergens. Finishes by Brett Breeding. Letters by John Costanza. And the colorist was Glenn Whitmore. And for an issue that was really a very quick read, considering that while it was 32 pages, every single page was a splash page. Uh, this week, uh, DCFandom.com actually has a synopsis for me to read. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. And then I'll start talking about the book uh, from my point of view. Superman and Doomsday have their final confrontation in Metropolis. Each foe delivers crushing blows onto the other, never letting up on their opponent. Police and military vehicles converge on the scene, but the streets are in chaos. Superman gets a last kiss from Lois Lane and charges into the action, ready to bring down Doomsday no matter what. The two combatants battle it out in front of the Daily Planet, at one point striking each other with such force that the windows on the planet shatter. Eventually, Superman delivers a fatal blow to Doomsday, snapping his neck, but while receiving an equally deadly blow at the same time. Lois Lane rushes over to Superman's limp body and cradles him in her arms, begging him to hold on until the paramedics arrive. However, it is too late, and the Man of Steel fades in her arms. And on a personal note, it was very sad. So something else that they sometimes do for entries for single issues on DC Fandom Dot com is they include little bits of trivia. And while they haven't done that really for any of the issues so far in the depth of Superman, we, we have some here and I'm not going to go through everything, but uh, it does tell us here what was included in that polybagged issue here of uh, uh, issue 75. We got uh, the Black Memorial armband, as I mentioned in the intro. A Daily Planet Superman obituary, which was authored by Roger Stern. A series of Superman commemorative postage stamps. And a Death of Superman poster by Dan Jurgens and Brett Breeding. And the only other bit of trivia I think uh, is interesting here is that the, the Death of Superman was a subject of conversation on an episode of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. And Jay Leno was seen wearing one of the Superman memorial armbands across his left arm. I should also note that this issue, even though they have two issues out this week, 30 years ago, uh, from the death of Superman, this actually ends what is known as the first act 
And if you, if for example, if you go out and you collect the trades, they they collected this whole storyline in, in four trades. I think I talked a little bit about this last week, but this issue ends the first act, which is collectively known as the death of Superman. The the second act is funeral for a friend, and the next issue, the second issue we're going to talk about today is the first issue of funeral for a friend, and we'll get into that here in a bit. But a couple of things about Superman seventy five that I definitely want to point out. Again, it's all splash pages. And while I I can appreciate the idea behind each one of these issues having fewer and fewer panels until you get to the issue where Superman dies and every panel or every page being a splash page or or one panel, I don't think it actually works on every single page. Some of the pages look really good some of the pages just seem too cluttered. The you know, Jurgens and Breeding just tried to include way too much in certain pages. The one that immediately leaps to mind is page seven. If you're looking at the digital edition, it had Superman has just rescued Lois and Jimmy. So as the issue opens, Superman and Doomsday are fighting. Doomsday picks up Superman and hurls him into the sky and Superman slams into the bottom of the Daily Planet helicopter. And before the helicopter can go down, Superman grabs a hold of it and takes Lois and Jimmy away. Uh, uh, originally, he says that he wants to take them as far as possible away from the danger, but he doesn't have time to do that because he just he doesn't know. He, he, he's worried about the number of lives that doomsday can end while Superman is away, you know, attending to Lois and Jimmy. And actually the page where he is carrying the helicopter, page six, it's a, it's a very nice looking page. I, I do enjoy that page. Uh, the transition, however, from page five to page six, where Superman slams into, and I think I said a minute ago, he slammed into the bottom of the helicopter. He actually slams into the side of the helicopter. And in fact, these guys, if you remember from last week, there were three dudes from the Cadmus Project there in matching green flight suits wearing these uh, jet gliders, firing these uh, like ion cannons from the jet gliders. Uh, Doomsday throws Superman into one of these guys, and then they both slam into the side of the helicopter. And so you have the the, the page that shows that. And then the transition from that page to from page five to page six, where suddenly Superman is under the helicopter flying away with it. It's a very weird transition. It doesn't quite work for me. I'm I'm not trying to be nitpicky here, but I think if you're going to take a risk like this and do what uh, uh, some people would call a stunt, and that's making each page a splash page, you do have to kind of do more than I mean... You don't want to make each page basically a poster, right? And that's almost what's happening in many of these pages. And so the transition from Superman uh, slamming into the side of the helicopter to suddenly on the very next page, he's carrying the helicopter. It's a strange transition. But then the page following that, the one I uh, originally wanted to bring up, page seven, Superman is with Lois. Jimmy is there. And they've, it's like they've made sure to include Doomsday in the background smashing uh, a vehicle or a bus uh, into a police vehicle. And there's just way too much 
going on. It's this weird juxtaposition of Superman and Lois in the foreground. And Lois is is telling Superman that he, you know, maybe he needs to get some help. This might be a bit too much for him. And Superman's telling Lois that it's 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 too late. He cannot leave. Superman cannot leave Metropolis to go find somebody to help. He has to be there. And uh, you have the two of them, like I said, speaking in the foreground. And then in the background, you have Doomsday causing, you know, havoc and, and destroying. But he seems just way too close to them for the for the two of them to just while it's not a casual conversation, it looks slightly casual. It's just a it's a weird page. And then, of course, the very next page, page eight, they get their their last kiss, uh, a tear running down Lois's face and Clark telling her that no matter what happens, he will always love her always. And it's a it's a sad page. And then on page nine, and again, I'm using the the digital edition page numbering, uh, which means that page one is typically the cover. Um, but Superman now is 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 leaping into back back to battle, and he's saying Doomsday gets his. Lois is shouting out to him to please come back, and Jimmy is there to let us know that he doesn't think he's ever seen the big guy so fired up. So it's at this point that I guess Superman's really really gonna 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 pour it on and he does this weird thing where he flies into doomsday and kind of ducks his head down and slams into doomsday with his back it's it's really weird it's they did the same thing tom grummet did the same thing on the cover of adventures of superman for 497 so apparently this is a thing superman does i don't remember this being a thing superman does but uh flying straight at someone and then ducking down so that he can slam into them with his back. I just, I find that a very weird, it's a very odd looking page. It's just an odd looking position altogether. There's a moment where Doomsday slams Superman's head into the the sidewalk or the, the asphalt here and practically buries his head into the ground. And it's at that point that Lois runs over to Doomsday. Apparently she is so distraught over the thought of losing the man that she loves that she is she's going to come and and try to help him and she's going to do that i guess by trying to distract doomsday long enough for superman who is now completely buried under the street to to come up and and, and help and this really this is kind of the moment that while i don't think it's done very well which is the problem of a page or a, or a book, uh, an issue with all splash pages. I think it could have been done a little bit better. But this is the moment where, you know, all this time Superman has been trying to keep, you know, save innocent lives, stop Doomsday and keep him out of Metropolis because that's where Superman lives. That's where all his friends live and uh, his loved ones, with the exception of his mom, Pa, are in Metropolis. And of course, there's millions of people in Metropolis. And uh, he keeps th- throughout these uh, these issues, Superman continues to basically up the level of how much he's dishing out. You know, I talked about this in a previous episode where Superman, regardless of who he's fighting, he always holds something back because he knows that he is so powerful that he could easily kill anybody that he goes up against. So he's always holding something back just in case, you know, he needs to feel out his opponent to determine how much 
he can use, how much strength. And uh, with Doomsday, he he keeps having these moments where he has to go at it just a little bit more, just open up a little bit more, use a little bit more force. But the way I've always read this is despite the few times he says, that's it. I'm taking it to Doomsday. Doomsday's getting his now. I'm going to do whatever it takes to stop Doomsday. You know, despite all that, he is still holding something back. I think it's just a, a natural instinct for Clark to do that because he is not a killer. And he, while, while they've never used the Spider-Man phrase, with great power comes great responsibility, he, that is something that Superman lives by. He knows that he has the potential to easily kill and that he is such a powerful character. He is such a powerful being that the general public could easily be in fear of him, that he could at any point decide that he's going to take over the world and be their leader. And, and, uh, not only was he raised to believe that killing was wrong, there, there's also that aspect of it as well. He knows that the first time he kills somebody, um, that fear and distrust that is kind of maybe always there bubbling away at the surface of the general public is just going to erupt. And so he has always made it a point to not kill. There was even to tangent for just a bit. There were a series of crossovers uh, between dark horse comics and DC in which dark horse at the time, I don't remember what, decade this was. I feel like it was the 90s. Dark Horse owned the publishing license for the Aliens and Predator properties. And they did a, a series of, of uh, mini-series in which they crossed these characters over with DC. They had Batman versus Predator and Superman versus Predator. And there was a Superman versus Aliens book that I remember quite enjoying and yet being completely frustrated with because Superman refused just just refused to kill these aliens. And if there was anything in the world, in the universe that Superman, I think, has the right to just slaughter and destroy, it's these aliens, these xenomorphs. And he just he just refuses to throughout the whole book. And I, I remember finding that very frustrating. But that's that's just who Superman is. So it's at this point when Lois puts herself in the path of doomsday that Superman truly lets go and gives it his everything. And again, it's not, they, they don't really say it. And it's something that I've just kind of, I've, I, I'm sure there are a ton of other people who feel the same way about this as I do. Um, they don't come out and say it, but the way I read this part of the issue and the way that I've always thought about it is once Lois is immediately in danger, Superman at that point is ready and willing to kill if necessary. And he really lays into Doomsday at this point. Now, it's during the fight at this point once Superman is he's he's all in because it, he he's firing his heat beams at Doomsday and Lois is still just right there. She's she's right there. She hasn't run away. She's literally standing just within a foot of both Superman and Doomsday. Doomsday could easily, uh, if he wasn't being slammed back into a wall by Superman's heat vision, could easily just reach out and break Lois's neck. Um, Superman is saying that Doomsday wants death and destruction and that to stop him, Superman has to be every bit as ferocious and unrelenting as Doomsday is. 
And Lois realizes that what he's saying is um, that Doomsday wants to kill. And Superman has to be willing to do that as well if he's going to stop him. And Lois, you know, you you can't do that. And uh, Superman doesn't really have much time to react as Doomsday knees him in the chin. Doomsday has these long, as I've mentioned before, bony protrusions. So like almost bony knives coming out of his elbows and his knees. And one of these, these uh, bony knee blades cuts Superman's chin. And Superman is kind of thrown back, uh, not physically, mentally. He says, uh, bony protrusions so sharp, he cut me. And, you know, like that's one of the first times Superman's been cut. Uh, Doomsday then rakes his the the claws on the back of his knuckles across Superman's face, drawing more blood. We actually have red blood in this issue, not much, not like the last week when it was there was just black blood all over the place. So uh, they've probably included just enough red blood, the 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 maximum that they're required that they're allowed to get by the Comics Code Authority. And Superman then reaches out, grabs hold of Doomsday's hands and kicks at one of these big bone blades coming out of his one of his knees and snaps it off. And this is the first moment so far in this series that Doomsday uh, actually is hurt. He manages to actually hurt him and Doomsday cries out in pain. They continue their fight. They're, you know, like the, the description said, they're pounding on each other so hard that the windows of the daily planet that they're that they're standing next to start to shatter this page the the page where the two of them are are pummeling on each other and the windows are shattering not a great page i'm sorry i'm not trying to point out stuff i don't like but this is this is not a great page and then we eventually get a couple of pages later to the the killing blow doomsday hitting superman superman hitting doomsday both of them falling and then not getting up. There is a really great page after that, the 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 page that shows the two of them falling. You get the one page where they're 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 hitting each other and then the page where the two fall, you actually see it uh in the reflection of the lens of Jimmy's camera. That th- this is a great page. If I'm going to point out bad pages, I should also point out great pages. This is digital page number 23. And then we go to uh a page that while it didn't affect me back then, reading it now as a parent uh, almost brings tears to my eyes. We see Martha and Jonathan for only the second time, I believe, in this crossover event so far. They are holding each other as you see the TV in the background where Lois is uh, cradling Clark's body amongst the ruin. We get this, uh, this narration that I'm not going to read. It's very kind of, uh, I guess, supposed to be poetic, like weary boxers who have gone the distance. The combatants collide in one last explosive effort. In the years to come, a few witnesses will tell of the power of these final punches that they could literally feel the shockwaves. Others will remember the enormous crater that resulted from the sheer force of the blows. And then they go on to talk about how um, people who are witnessing this are not just it's not just the regular people that are watching this. It's Lois, who would one day, who would have one day called him a husband, Jimmy, Superman's pal. And then we get the page with his parents. 
it's probably the best page of this entire issue, the one with Clark's parents, because it's the one that truly uh, makes me feel some emotion. You know, it's a good issue. I enjoy the issue, um, but I'm not sitting here going, yeah, Superman, go, go, get him. Oh no, Superman. That's the page that makes it hit home for me. You know, Clark's parents who are forced to watch this from another state, feeling helpless. There's nothing that they can do. And there's nobody at this point who can comfort them. The only other person who knows who Clark is, is, is Lois and she's there. And so that will be a nice moment later. I believe the, the three of them come together to, to comfort each other. And that's a nice moment, but we get this then, uh, two double page spreads. Superman has not died yet. Uh, doomsday, however, is done. He's out. He's dead. Bloodwind and Ice have shown up. And as Ice puts it, they're, they're too late to help. Um, Lois is in tears. She's holding Superman, who, who his, his costume is in tatters. He's bleeding from various places. He's got puffy bruises on his face. And in a very weak voice, with whatever strength he has left, he asks Lois, Doomsday, is he, is he, that's, that's all he can get out. And, you know, he's asking is, is, is Doomsday dead? Lois says, you stopped him. You saved us all. Now relax because the, the paramedics are coming. But this is when Superman dies. And he was, he was holding on because, you know, not, not for any selfish reasons. He wasn't, holding on to life because he didn't want to die. He was afraid to die. And he was clinging to life in case Doomsday was still kicking. And the moment he learns that it's done, Superman lets go and he dies. And we get this final two-page spread. Superman, lifeless amongst the rubble. There is a, a, a stick in the ground where his cape, which has, had torn off of him at one point, had, the wind has flown it onto this stick. And so it's clinging, it's, it's, it's clinging to this stick like a flag. Lois is in tears and Jimmy is snapping a picture. The, the picture that will eventually, I think, win him a, 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 a Pulitzer, Pulitzer, something. But yeah, that was a, for me, it's a deeply emotional book. I'll just, I'll just say it. And, uh, I don't think there's really anything else I want to say about it. Superman is dead. This is why everybody's reading this book. And now we have to find out what's going to happen next. And that leads us into Funeral for a Friend. And that kicks off same week, 30 years ago, with uh, Justice League America, number 70, carried a cover price of $1.25. The title of the issue is Grieving. It was written slash penciled by Dan Jurgens, finishes by Rick Burchett, letters by Willie Schubert, and the colorist was Gene D'Angelo. And we also get a summary for this over at the uh, dcfandom.com. So I will read that and then we'll get into the issue. They don't give us much. The Justice League America takes Blue Beetle to the hospital. Superheroes from around the world come to the JLA and say that something needs to be done for Superman now that he is dead. They all don armbands with his S insignia. Ice creates an ice sculpture of the Man of Steel. That's the summary. So I honestly don't want to spend too much time on this issue because to, to, to be honest, I really did not care for this issue at all. Nothing against the creative team that worked on it because I love many of the things that Dan Jurgens has done in his career. This issue felt a little ham-fisted as far as trying to 
force us to understand that all the all the superheroes across the DC universe uh, who didn't show up to help Superman at all during any of this um, all feel sad for his loss and they kind of gather together. And the the main problem I had with this issue is that I just felt like they tried to do too much in, I think this is 32 pages. They tried to bring too many different heroes together and give them an opportunity to say something about Superman that it all felt a little kind of flat and forced and a bit hokey. Um, Ice, we learn, uh, apparently, uh, had some kind of crush or may have been in love with Superman and is really having a hard time with it. Uh, Bloodwind, who is also on the scene, um, says that he has used his powers to scan Superman. He does not hear a heartbeat. Uh, does he senses no brain activity and that Superman is gone. Ice picks up the, the cape that's hanging from the stick and uses it to cover Superman's face like you would uh, a dead person with a blanket or something. And then she about passes out because she's actually very injured. She's got a broken arm and, and broken ribs. And so Bloodwind takes her to the hospital where we meet up with Booster Gold and Maxima. And Booster Gold is having a really hard time. He, uh, uh, first of all, his best friend is in a coma. And uh, now knowing that Superman is dead, he just feels like the Justice League failed. This is the kind of thing the Justice League was formed to stop. You know, there's a reason why you get the Earth's most powerful heroes. Yeah, I know that's an Avengers thing, but you know, there's a reason why you have a team like the Justice League. They are there that, you know, they're supposed to handle these, these types of threats and they were not able to stop Doomsday and thus Superman is now dead and Booster blames himself. Yet, despite all that going on with Booster, I can't get over the fact that he is standing there in the hospital with his costume in shreds so that he's practically not wearing a shirt and one of the legs on his costume is is practically missing. And all I can think of is you can't put on a shirt, dude. I mean, I know that most costume superheroes are half naked anyway. But there's just a, a part of me that feels like, all right, I, I get it. You just came from a battle. You're, you're, uh, you know, the last thing you're probably thinking of is I should, I should probably put some clothes on, but it's all I can think about for some reason. But then at the same time, he's got Maxima standing next to him and she's got those two boots that are different lengths. And that just drives me crazy as well. So maybe it's, it's more of a me thing than anything. But Guy Gardner walks in and in typical Gardner fashion, he basically mouths off to Maxima and says, well, it looks like you're going to have to find another super guy to be your boyfriend because while they never had a relationship, apparently she kind of had the, had the hots for him as well. She at one point mentions that she once wanted him as a mate and Guy Gardner just basically walks in and says, uh, he, he goes, I guess it'll take some time, Maxie, but if you start shopping for a new super bow, keep me in. And that's when she cuts him off by firing some kind of energy blast at him and they begin to start fighting and booster breaks it up. And again, I'm just booster. Just put a shirt on, dude. I mean, you're in a hospital. I, I'm sure a doctor will loan you some scrubs. It's not a big deal. It's okay for you to think about that during this moment. It's all right. Nobody's going to think any less of you for putting on a freaking shirt because you look like Tarzan right now, but he breaks up the fight. They uh, airlift the blue beetle along with the rest of the team to the JLA compound, uh, where there is a, a, a hospital wing of some sort, you know, a medical wing. And 
the helicopter pilots or EMTs or whoever's in the helicopter after they drop the league and, and Blue Beetle off as they're flying away. We don't see who's speaking this. The balloons are just coming from the helicopter. One of them says, ever seen anybody in such bad shape as that Blue Beetle? And the response is, no way. They ever think he'll be okay again. They're kidding themselves. And uh, I thought that was a little mean. Thankfully, they didn't say it in front of Booster. But we find out that the Blue Beetle is in really bad shape. The, the doctor says he is in a coma. Not a coma, a deep coma. And not even a deep coma, a very deep coma. He's got swelling in his brain that has the doctor concerned. And one of his kidneys has shut down and his liver is damaged. And Booster just wants to know if he's going to make it. And the doctor can't really tell him. He, 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 wants to, he wants to tell him some good news, but he can't. And again, I just want Booster to put on a shirt. He's gotten a Coke. He's standing here. They're, they're, you know, they've gone from this hospital in Metropolis to a hospital in New York or, or the JLA compound in New York. He's managed to get a Coke either from a machine or the fridge, but he, he, he can't put on a shirt. And that, uh, that's not going to be the last time I mention it. We get a moment where Fire and Ice are together. Uh, uh, Fire has come to see Ice and is comforting her because, again, Ice must have had it pretty bad for Superman. Uh, Wally West is the first of the non-league heroes to show up at the Justice League compound. And the first thing he says when he arrives to find Booster on a balcony looking out over the ocean, he says, uh, hey, Boosteroo, you fight with a tiger or something? Because, of course, Booster's still in his shredded costume, shredded outfit. And then Wally, because this is Wally West, I don't know if Jurgens doesn't like Wally, doesn't understand uh, who Wally is, or just assumes that Wally's stupid. Because Wally then asks Booster probably one of the dumbest questions ever. He says, tell me what happened, man. Was Doomsday really that tough? Uh, he killed Superman. <laughs> Doesn't that answer your question? Do you, really, do you really need to ask such a stupid question? But it's, it's there to provide Booster with an opportunity to tell Wally how he feels like a total washout. Because we're the Justice League, Wally. We're supposed to beat threats like Doomsday. And that's when Aquaman comes up out of the ocean. He uh, uses the, the death of his child to show that he can relate. He knows what, it's, what, what loss is like. Suddenly, Batman and Robin swing in. And this is one of these moments that, again, I feel like they were just trying to do too much with uh, very little space. And because of that, a lot of this feels rushed and trite. But Booster is talking to Aquaman and he's asking Aquaman, you know, does it, how do you live with the loss? Does it get any easier? Aquaman's telling him, no, it doesn't get any easier. But you did your best. And you can take some solace in that. And Booster's saying, we did. And uh, Superman still died. And he died alone. When he needed us most, we were gone. And then we get a voice from off panel. So was I. And that may haunt me forever. You turn the page and here comes Batman swinging in. Superman and I had a rather unique relationship. Of all the men I have known, super or otherwise, he was the one I respected most. Wally calls out Batman and Robin, which... I don't understand when they do stuff like that. Why, you know, why, why is Wally acting surprised or why does he feel the need to yell that it's Batman and Robin? And Green Lantern shows up, Hal Jordan, uh, Hawkman is standing on a nearby roof watching all this happening and is there to remind me 
what a weird time this was in the DC universe. This is, again, fairly close to the crisis. It's post-crisis when they had rebooted uh, a lot of their heroes, made some changes. Hawkman was a big one that they changed because, first of all, he's wearing a, a different costume. His wings are like golden. And um, when Hal tells him, uh, you know, Hawkman, I admit, I'm surprised to see you here. And Hawkman says, understandable. I was never a member of the League and I barely even knew Superman. And uh, but when a young man dies, one wants to comfort his widow and children. So obviously, whoever this is as Hawkman is an older dude and not the Hawkman that we know now and not the Hawkman we knew before the crisis, because this guy says he's never been in the league and he never he barely knew Superman. So it was a weird time. It was a weird time for DC Comics back then. Nightwing and Starfire show up. They come swooping in. Starfire is 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 flying and carrying Nightwing. And as he's he he drops to the to the ground amongst the other superheroes, Batman is saying, Nightwing, Starfire, I'm glad you came. And the first thing Nightwing says, I mean, his immediate response is, I remember the day I first met Superman like it was yesterday. He made quite an impression on me. And then that's that's all he says for the rest of the issue. It's just like I said, trying to do much with very little space, and it all just comes out rushed and feeling trite. And it just, I, they, I don't know what I would have done in this situation, but I don't know. Bringing in so many heroes at once and trying to give them each an opportunity to say something about Superman, it just, it's just too much. Um, the Justice Society shows up, Alan Scott, Jay Garrick, the Elongated Man, Power Girl, and Wonder Woman shows up, Green Arrow and Black Canary show up. Wonder Woman flies in. She lands in the street or, or whatever as uh, Green Arrow and Black Canary are, are running, sprinting across the street, which I don't know. I just I found that weird. It's like they're they're running to an emergency. Um, the demon is just suddenly there standing amongst the heroes and says something weird in his weird, rhymy way. Weep not for the man of steel. His mortal wounds will never heal. His body lies stone stiff and dead. Let's cheer for doomsday in his stead. Ha 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 ha. And nobody just comments on that in any way. Uh, and that's when Oberon comes out and he says, look, I'm not much for stringing words together. Well, but it seems like we should show our respect. Somehow we have to show the entire world how much we cared about Superman. Like I said, I'm not good with words. I'm hoping these will do. And he has a box full of these black armbands with the Superman insignia on them. I don't know where he got him. Uh, it seems pretty quick for him to have just suddenly crafted these up. I don't know if the Justice League has a replicator, maybe, or if uh, these were just in storage, just in case something like this ever happened. I just, everything is happening too quick in this issue. And so we get this two-page splash of the heroes putting on these black armbands. Some of, some of them already have them on, others are pulling them on. And Batman says, a gesture more eloquent than any words could ever be, Oberon. And, you know, I, I, Batman, I don't know if that's true. I, I, I'm sure that uh, words might do better than a black armband. But, uh, yeah, we get the black condor flying by, who apparently is going to become a member of the Justice League in the next issue. And uh, he... <laughs> Again, it's it's really kind of dumb. As he's flying by, he's thinking to himself, I may not be one of them, but I can't help but pay tribute to the sacrifice of a man like Superman. Still, I am glad 
that I'm content to live my life on the sidelines without indulging in their false sense of duty. I don't know what that means. Just fly away, Condor man. I don't know if it's Black Condor or, or if he's just called Condor. I can't remember. His, his costume is black. Anyway, well, what costume there is, he's not wearing a shirt either, but that's just part of his costume. Now, Ice at this point feels like there's something more that they can do, and so she uses her ice powers to make a big ice sculpture of Superman. And then we get what I think is supposed to be the big tearjerker of the issue, Guy Gardner standing on a balcony or a roof or something overlooking what everybody's doing, feeling kind of sad that uh, Ice loved Superman so much. And he's thinking to himself, cut me with a knife, why don't you, Ice? We sure had our tussles, Blue. You were the world's ultimate Boy Scout, the kind of guy who embodied fairness and justice. Me? I'm a rogue, but that don't mean I can't see the truth. And he uses his ring to snatch up an armband, and he's pulling it on, thinking to himself, Doomsday caved my head in, Blue, but you took him down. You won. Guess I can wear this for the service, out of respect for that. And I think we're all supposed to be, oh, that guy Gardner, he does have a heart. Oh, my goodness. His tears just flow from our eyes. But instead, we get our last page. Booster Gold in the hospital room there with uh, Blue Beetle. He's looking out the window and he, he can see all the heroes out there from his window. And he's very worried for his buddy. And he's telling Ted, the Blue Beetle, that he has to, uh, he has to pull through because he doesn't want to have to put on an armband with a beetle on it. If he, if he has to do that, he just doesn't know what he's going to do. And the sadness of that scene is ripped from my heart because I just want Booster to put on a freaking shirt. He still hasn't put on a shirt at this point. I mean, again, if that was part of his costume, I would, to a certain extent, understand. But it's like, he's just standing there with his costume in shreds and no shirt on. And I almost, I almost want somebody to come up to him and go, okay, Booster, we get it. You've got a nice looking chest. Put a shirt on already. You know? Uh, don't know why that bugs me so much, but it does. Um, Yeah. This was not, for me, a great start to the Funeral for a Friend act. Um, I don't know that I want to say too much more about this issue. Uh, you know, this week started, as far as the, the two issues that, that came out for the death of Superman, started with uh, a very action-packed and then super dramatic issue in which Superman died. And then we get this hokey aftermath of trying to get most every semi-important hero in the DC universe to appear in the comic book and try to say something uh, about their grief. And it, it just, they didn't pull it off. Uh, I'm sorry, Dan. You know, I love most of the stuff you do. And uh, you, you didn't have that much to work with, brother. I don't blame you. You did what you could with what you had. And uh, yeah, just didn't do anything for me. So that's all I'm going to say. Hey, how about I just tell you the, the wrap-up stuff. Do you want me to do that? Let's just wrap it all up. I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode of Just Another Fanboy Presents. If you want to drop me a line, ask me a question, provide a bit of feedback, or just tell me that you have firsthand knowledge on what a wildebeest smells like, you can send me an email to justanotherfanboy at gmail.com, or you can use the Just Another Fanboy voice line to leave a voicemail, or send me a text. Just make sure that if you're sending me a text, let me know who you are in the the number is in the show notes. 
You can also reach out to me on Twitter by using the handle at Stephen or else, or join in on all the fun over at the message boards by going to forum.justanotherfanboy.com. And hey, if you feel a little something in your heart that makes you want to throw some support my way, because you know, podcasts ain't free, folks. You can join the Patreon for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Stephen R. Or that's just $12 a year. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to get you podcast episodes just like this one before anybody else. That is anyone but you and your fellow patrons. I also invite you to subscribe to the Stephen Says Stuff newsletter. This is a free Substack where I'm going to send you every podcast episode I create each and every week right to your inbox the very morning that they are released. Beyond that, I would certainly love it if you rated and reviewed the show, if of course that option is available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, all the links and email addresses, well, there was just the one email address. Anyway, that's all in the show notes, folks. So I hope you didn't try to write them all down. Anyway, join me back here next week for week number seven of the death of Superman, in which we will be looking at the adventures of Superman number 498. See you then, or not. I can't really see you. This is an audio medium. I, I can't even say I'll hear you then. You will hear me then. Whatever. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.